We asked some of our friends around NPR to help us translate a simple phrase. Okay, so you need to say, please show your love to Rough Translation by donating to public radio. Oh, no. I'm going to get this completely grammatically incorrect. In Marathi? Yeah. Oh, my God, this is such a... T- I have no... Well, let me think. How do you say show your love in Hebrew? Love as a noun. Um, I feel like you don't do that in Mandarin. Uh, yeah, This is a very Israeli expression, show your love. It's like, cut us some slack. You can't really say rough translation in French. It would translate as scratchy translation or something, so... Half translation? No. Tirgum lo tirgum. A translation that's not a translation. It's hard enough just to translate a sentence. On this show, we try to translate people's experiences and perspectives to help you understand our world. And we couldn't do that work without public radio. I don't know how to say public radio. I think it's public radio la... Radio Zinda? Now's your chance to send a clear and unambiguous message that you support public radio and this podcast. Go to donate.npr.org slash translation to find your local station and get started. That link again, it's donate.npr.org slash translation. Das beste podcast. You're listening to Rough Translation from NPR. (laughs) It's the day before the competition. Everybody's nervous. (laughs) We're in eastern Ukraine at the regional semifinals of the League of Laughter. It's a comedy competition founded by the guy who is now Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, a legend on the comedy circuit. The winner of this battle will represent this eastern region, the region most affected by the war with Russia, in a televised national final that it seems like all of Ukraine is going to tune into. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) 25-year-old Alex Babkov and 29-year-old Vova Sivak and their teammates, they're here to represent the city of Mariupol. Yes, of course. Mariupol is the capital of great Ukraine. What do you say, Mariupol? Mariupol is our own city. Alex taps his chest, the universal symbol. Represent. One more time. (laughs) Mariupol is very close to the front lines. The war there is still felt every day as an economic one. Ships that come through the Black Sea to the port of Mariupol are harassed and delayed by Russian inspectors. And all the factories and plants there that used to do trade with Russia, now that trade has been cut off. And for the guys on this team, a comedy career is not an easy thing to launch. Vova, who used to play comedy competitions in Ukraine and Russia, he is now repairing diesel generators. Alex moved to Turkey to play Captain Jack Sparrow on a pirate ship for kids' birthday parties. This competition is the first time in years that the whole team has reunited. To make it to the next round, what they have to do is write a sketch on the theme of a foreign country. Every team has a different country assigned to them. And maybe because this team is sort of the local favorite, they've been given what seems like the easiest country in this part of the world to make fun of, one that Ukrainian comics have been honing jokes about for 80 years, the USA. Now's their chance to test their material on two famous comedians, celebrity comics brought in at great expense from the capital who are here more like coaches. Don't think Simon Cowell. They're not just here to criticize. They're supposed to help the teams improve. 
Their sketch, I'm trying to follow it, it's like every American action film cultural stereotype mashed together. You have aliens in cornfields, the Statue of Liberty getting blown up, and John Travolta. After it's done, the celebrity comics seem underwhelmed. One says, The sketch, it's still uncooked. You have to fill it up with jokes. Afterward, in the hallway, the team from Mariupol tells me it's even worse than it seems. This is their sixth attempt at a sketch that will work. Their team coach, Sasha Serduk, is helping them brainstorm. Can I ask a question? I'm conscious that I am the only American here, and I might be able to help. What about, like, Trump and Zelensky, Trump, Zelensky, or Biden? It's very, very, very many, many, many on television, this joke. We, you mean everybody's talking about Trump? Yes. Everybody jokes about Trump and uh, Biden. Trump? Everybody. Just too familiar. I see. And Giuliani. And Giuliani. We don't know. Not, really, not, not many people. Not a household name. People may not know it here. We have uh, our Ukrainian Giuliani. Many, many Ukrainian Giuliani. <laughs> we have plenty of our own Ukrainian Giulianis. I'm Gregory Warner. This is Rough Translation from NPR, the show that takes you to far off places with stories that hit close to home. In our last episode, we talked about the comic actor Volodymyr Zelensky, who became president of Ukraine by tapping into a rage against corruption. The thing that people find even more surprising here is not just that Zelensky won, but that he won almost everywhere. He won in Western regions, and he won in the East. As a humorist, he did what no modern Ukrainian politician has ever done. He got all sides of a divided country to back him. And so, when I was invited to the eastern city of Kramatorsk, best known for having one of Ukraine's largest metallurgical factories, to watch a regional semifinal competition of amateur comedians, I came with a lot of questions. Like, what does humor look like 50 miles from a war? And what is the role of comedy in a country united by a comedian, but divided by so much else? So today is our last day to make it, and tomorrow we will show all the team. If you need any jokes about America, okay. <laughs> rough translation, I can think of some. Back after this break. If you ever wanted to tell us exactly what you think of our show, the good stuff, the bad stuff, well, we have a survey for you to do exactly that. It takes a few minutes to fill out. It's totally anonymous. It's at npr.org slash rough translation survey. You can help us create the show that you want to hear. Again, that's at npr.org slash rough translation survey. And thanks. This message comes from NPR sponsor State Farm. Why do you need State Farm renter's insurance? Because it helps protect the stuff landlords don't. Like your furniture that gets drenched by a broken pipe. Or when a burglar makes off with your new laptop. When you add it all up, your stuff's probably worth more than you think. Make sure it's protected with State Farm renter's insurance. Find an agent or get a quote at statefarm.com. I know we'd all love the holidays to be this happy, stress-free, joyful time. But let's be real, that is not always the case. NPR's Life Kit is answering your holiday questions and helping you navigate family dynamics all season long. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Listen and subscribe to Life Kit. We are back with Rough Translation. I'm Gregory Warner. It might seem from the news cycle that Ukraine is a bleak place. But comedy is a thriving industry here. There are lots of comedy shows. 
Before Zelensky became the president, he produced and hosted many of those shows. And the stakes of this competition here in eastern Ukraine are high. The winner gets prize money and a national spotlight. Six teams are in the semifinal, and only four will survive the weekend. Watching every sketch, I can confidently say that this theme of foreign countries, it feels like a trap, especially in a part of the world where ethnic stereotypes are the default. Try to guess this team's country. James Bond. Yes, it is England. Here's another skit about Japan. I'm not even going to talk about the team that has Africa, all of Africa. But then I watch a team that seems to have figured out a way around this trap. They're called La Planeta, an all-women's team, and their theme is Spain. But they're using that as a foil to joke about life closer to home. Here's an example. Vika Pitorna is playing a woman from the 17th quarter, the local skid row. And she gets magically transported to a city in Spain. And she has no idea where she is. So she's walking down the street and she sees a guy. Hey, look at that guy. He doesn't have a black eye. He doesn't have peregar, which is a word that means the gasoline breath of a person the day after a drinking binge. I don't think that word exists in English. Later, she starts rapping about all the knockoff brands she's wearing, like Louis Vuitton. I got shoes in the style of Dolce Gabbana. The heel fell off. It was fixed by my mama. All these threads, thanks to the Zhitomirskaya fabric factory. This factory reference, it's strategic, aimed at the local audience. But this team, they are not local, not at all. They're college students from the capital, Kiev. They took the train 400 miles out here to this regional competition. Almost feels to me like major leaguers showing up at a minor league game for the easy win. But then I talked to one of the celebrity comics, Sergei Bibilov. Tell me, tell me about the Kiev women team. What are their strengths? What are their, what do they need to work on? He is on? not so sure about this team's chances. He explains that women's humor is very specific to women. He says he's not a sexist. It's just that women's humor is harder for the audience to accept. So his advice to the team has been to write humor that's interesting for men too. Here's where we were on day one of the competition. I'd met two teams, both underdogs in their own way. The Mariupol team, the local favorites, who just couldn't come up with enough good jokes about the U.S. And then the Kiev team, interlopers from the city, young and sharper-edged, who might simply be the wrong gender for this crowd. The teams head back to their rooms to practice. The other celebrity comic, Ilya Dermenji, says humor is going to be born tonight and it's possible some of these teams are not going to sleep the idea of representing your region through competitive comedy actually has a long history in this part of the world one of the experts on that history Alexei? is Alexei Semenenko. Hi. He's a professor at Stockholm University in Sweden. He's a self-described international humor researcher, which means he's often in the regrettable position of having to explain to one country 
what another country finds funny. Sometimes they are understandable, but this is the, the pain of the research. And then you just try to explain, this is the context here, this is that context that they refer to. <laughs> and, and then it, nobody's you know, laughing at that point. You, yeah, nobody's laughing because, you know, this is the worst thing that you can have to the joke when you, you, you have to explain it. I feel like so, I'm going to face that in doing this story, I'm afraid. But uh, thank you for the, for the words of encouragement. Yeah, exactly. The origin of competitive comedy in the Soviet world was a game called KVN, or Keva-N in Russian. It stands for the Club of Inventive and Funny People. It was launched by student actors in Moscow in the 1960s, shut down by Soviet authorities in the 70s, then reborn in the 80s during perestroika as must-see TV. Especially in the 80s, that was the place to find the most up-to-date jokes where people were experimenting and, you know, pushing boundaries. Through the 90s, after the Soviet Union had collapsed and former republics became independent countries, those countries still sent teams to Moscow for the Kevin finals. And people rooted for their team. For example, this is the finals of 1997. Who is on stage for Ukraine? It is the future president, Volodymyr Zelensky, then a 19-year-old college student from a small industrial town in eastern Ukraine. And when Zelensky's team wins, Ukraine celebrates. It is a win for the country. The contestants I meet at this comedy competition in Ukraine, they all talk about comedy as a team sport. A contestant here named David Omovchenko told me this story, and I heard versions of this story again and again. Growing up, he kind of thought of himself as funny, but then at age 14, he was tapped by a high school team. Suddenly he was traveling to competitions, and he imagined himself on Russian TV. All these dreams of young Ukrainians participating in this vast game ended abruptly in 2014. When war began between Ukraine and Russia, Keva N was pulled off the Ukrainian airwaves, and Ukraine stopped sending teams to Moscow. Zelensky, who by then had his own entertainment company in Ukraine, rushed in to fill the gap. He started the Liga Smecha, the League of Laughter, the Ukrainian version of Keva N. Last year, his channel launched a women's-only event showcasing women comedians. How long have you been doing? Um, no, yeah, three years. Vika on the Kiev women's team, she remembers that women's-only show. She says she realized a girl can be funny when she's not afraid and feeling comfortable on the stage. So different than her experience of being on co-ed teams, where the guys muscle in with their... One thing she says she loves about comedy in Ukraine is what makes it different than so many other industries here. You cannot bribe your way to the top. You're funny or you're not. She says the people voted for Zelensky not because they liked him so much, but because they could see he was working hard. He earned their respect by being such a professional. And that's what she sees comedy as for her, a platform to prove herself. She kept saying, you can set yourself free. You can start something new, a show, a startup, something not even related to humor, something of her own. 
But that means she's got to leave this town with a win. A little bit later, all the teams gather to hear a pep talk from the sponsor of the league, a Ukrainian guy named Enrique Menendez. That's not a joke. My grandfather was born in the capital of Spain. The story is that Enrique's Spanish grandfather fought on the communist side of the Spanish Civil War and then ended up in the Soviet Union. So that's why I have such strange for Ukrainian name, Enrique Menendez. Enrique is a writer. He runs a think tank. And he's got his own reasons for funding this comedy league. I've met Enrique before on previous reporting trips to Ukraine because he's an outspoken advocate for this eastern region that we're in, the part of Ukraine closest to the Russian border and most affected by the war, called Donbass. We see on our TVs only the war in Donbass, only the problems, catastrophe. Enrique is sensitive to how his region is perceived and how the views of people here can be dismissed. For instance, a lot of people here feel that Ukraine should negotiate more with Russia. That can be seen as... Treason. Yeah, it's betrayal of national interest. There's also a language divide. People here in the East speak Russian as their first language, not Ukrainian. But since the war with Russia, there have been a lot of new laws that make Ukrainian the sole language of schools and government offices. With all these divides in the country, Enrique has a lot of hopes for what sketch comedy might achieve. In his pep talk to the teams, he tells them, all of you have the talent to one day be on TV. And then he says, our job here is to show that the Donbass region is not just alcoholics, machine guns, marginals, and the 17th quarter. We must show all of Ukraine, he tells them, that the people of Donbass are young, normal, and talented. Here was the sponsor of the league telling the team to showcase their talents so that his region will be respected in all of Ukraine. That may be a good pep talk for a sports team, but this is comedy. This is not a game of looking proud or dignified. Just before the show, I catch up with Alex of the Mariupol team. One minute, one minute, because we need to change again. Okay. And make it. Where, where are you at right now? You have... Three hours into the performance, what, how do you feel? Now a little bit nervous because we must to make a lot of things to make it good. We have a lot of changes, he says, a lot of things to think about. When I talk to Alex and his teammates about the city that they say they want to represent, <laughs> what do you want to show about Mariupol? The answers they give me, they're oddly bland. Vova, who's done years on the comedy circuit, tells me We want to show our little town in the best possible light, as happy and cool. There's been a lot of changes in our region, but we have good people. When they talk about their hometown, they sound less like comedians, more like politicians. While the women's team from Kyiv they're embracing the very stereotypes that Enrique warned them against. They play alcoholics and outcasts from the 17th quarter, that local bad neighborhood here in Kramatorsk. And what really makes the women's team so much more edgy for this audience is that Vika on stage is speaking not Russian, not Ukrainian, but a kind of Spanglish mashup of the two called Surzhik. It's a terrible mixture of Russian and Ukrainian. Educated Ukrainians, like Enrique, hate Surzhik. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's terrible. 
To him, it's the sound of Russian speakers forced to speak the national language and mangling it. It's the sound of being a second-class citizen in your own country. For Vika... It's my soul, yeah. I like, yeah. Why? It's... um, I like Surzik. I like uh, uh, on the stage... uh, Vika, by the way, speaks fluent Russian and Ukrainian. She only speaks Surzik in the show because it's shocking and a little taboo to hear someone speaking Surzik on stage. It's a good way to make people laugh. She talks Oh, my God. I asked Alexei, the humor researcher, how did Zelensky do it? How did he walk this line of making fun of Ukraine, where he's from, but at the same time representing Ukraine on the international stage? Yeah, I mean, they didn't represent, this is probably not the word, but that they exploit this identity. He exploited stereotypes of eastern Ukraine, made them funny for the rest of the world. But that was not the problem at that time, you know, in the 90s. That became a political question uh, now, I mean, since 2014, of course. Since 2014, meaning since the war with Russia. It's harder to make fun of yourself when the other side is using those same stereotypes against you. So, showtime, Sunday evening. Six teams are competing. Only four will advance to the final round. Vika will tell me later, we had them at Ola. All the jokes find their landing. The women get a perfect score, tied for first place with the team that has Africa. And then the other four teams battle it out in a lightning improv round. The game is to fill in the first part of a sentence. The second part of the sentence, it's a little bit Soviet, is that's why there is no heat. The teams all huddle. And then Mariupol team comes forward. The Mariupol team makes a joke about the local mayor filling up his bathtub with the hot stuff, which could mean moonshine or hot water. And that's why there is no heat. The crowd loves it. They make it to the next round. Maybe because in this round, they finally poked fun at their own lives. And afterward, but why so sad? You guys don't look happy. You just won. Because after 25, 29 days, it's final, and we must make it again. The final is five weeks away. All the guys are headed back to their jobs. Alex is getting on a plane back to Turkey. And that's where I left them, in October. But that final, it just happened last Friday. What happened there? After the break. Hello. Hi, mom. How would how would you say uh, please donate the public radio in uh, Marathi? Hey, here's that link one more time. Donate.npr.org/translation. Donate Just by the way, mom, you're being recorded. We are back with NPR's Rough Translation. I'm Gregory Warner. The finals of the Donbas League of Laughter happened this Friday. This time in the city of Mariupol, four teams battled it out to represent the entire eastern region in the national final. The winner was Mariupol. Hello? Ah, Sasha, you have a few... So I called up Sasha Serduk, the coach of the Mariupol team. So what happened? So uh, did the team do something different, a new strategy? Uh, 
So he said, everything started as before with a sketch, and there was one team that was clearly the best, and it was not Mariupol. It was La Planeta, the women's team from Kyiv. The Mariupol team watched their sketch, they saw how well it was going over, and they huddled nervously backstage. We are in trouble, someone said. Just do the routine, said another. And Sasha told them, I, I told him, no, no, no. We are going to go out there, we're going to make people laugh, and we're going to do it without relentlessly poking fun at Ukraine's problems. No stereotypes, please. No, no, no. Come on. Let's, let's do it sarcasm, but not, not stereotypes. Sasha explained his reservation about stereotypes was not because of what Enrique Menendez, the sponsor, told them about casting the region in the best light. And it wasn't because the war has made everything more sensitive. He says it's because joking about Ukraine's problems is just too easy. He tells me there's a formula when a team comes from out of town. He's done it himself. You ask three questions at the local town to come up with your material. What's the roughest neighborhood, the seediest nightclub, and what is the public construction project that's been stalled the longest? We've been joking like that for 30 years. I'd rather Ukraine solve its problems than keep laughing at them. So, Mariupol gets on stage to do their sketch. And it was rough. They messed up lines, they missed words. Even Sasha admits, it was pretty unfair that they got the same score as the women's team. Was there a little bit of... Um, the fact that this is the local team, did that help? Yes, of course. It's helped because all people absolutely uh, applause. This eastern Ukrainian crowd, they were screaming their name. But Sasha says on the next round, the improv round, it was a fair fight. The Mariupol team has years of experience playing off each other as a team, and that helped them catch the wind, he says. Hello. Alex, so congratulations, champions. When I called Alex Bobkov, the Mariupol team leader, he was not in a celebratory mood. He told me it felt like they got to the top of a very tiny mountain, only to see the giant mountain they have yet to climb. Because this February, at the national finals, They'll face off against some of the funniest people in the country. They know that everyone there only knows the bad stuff about their town. The polluted factory air, the massive unemployment, and the war. So they're going to have to start off making fun of some of that, just as a kind of hello. And then they're planning to drop the cheap jabs and just try to be funny. That's it for this episode. We have a lot more stories about Ukraine in our feed. You can check out part one of this series. And of course, don't forget to take a few minutes to fill out our survey. That's at npr.org slash rough translation survey. There's also a link in the episode description right there on your phone. Today's show was produced by Autumn Barnes, Nick Fountain, and Mitchell Johnson. Julia Barton edited the episode. 
Also, thank you so much to those who listened to the episode and made it better. Alex Klemanoff, Lou Olkowski, Sana Krasikov, Brian Erstad, Jess Jang, Nadia Lewis, Bianca Giacobone, Darian Woods, and Robert Smith. The Rough Translation High Council is Neil Carruth, Chris Turpin, and Anya Grunman. Mastering by Isaac Rodriguez. John Ellis composed the music for our show. Scoring by Mike Cruz and Aviva de Kornfeld. Aaron Register is our project manager. And a special thanks to our intern, Mitchell Johnson, who has done an amazing job these past three months. I know I always say this, but if you want more stories like this in your podcast feed, here's what you can do. Give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. Or just tell someone about the show. And drop us your thoughts. We always love to hear from you at roughtranslation at npr.org or on Twitter at Roughly. I'm Gregory Warner. Have a great New Year's, and we'll see you in January with more Rough Translation.